0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Pond. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll be talking about an asshole. And I'll be talking about a psychic vision. Oh, oh, my God. What? what? <laughs> are, you are you excited? Are you doing like a Miss Cleo thing? I don't know. And I know I'm oh not doing God. a Miss Cleo oh, thing. Oh, no. no. Well, OK. Well, that's a huge <laughs> letdown. <laughs> Click. That's the sound of everyone turning off the podcast. Why? Because they were excited about Miss Cleo. Why did you now... say, uh, if I was talking about Miss Cleo, I'd say, let call us... me now for your free tarot reading. You led us to believe. With your psychic vision talk, blah blah blah. Anyway, hello everyone. It's, I am you know, that is way a, more a you case than it is I a know. me case. So I know. a girl can dream, though. Uh huh. Uh huh. Everyone, um, if you're wondering why I sound a little sleepy, a little tired, it's because I was hanging out with Janet Jackson last night. Uh, translation: She went to the Janet Jackson. Concert. <laughs> Janet Jackson and <laughs> Luda kept me up until 11. How was Luda? Did he seem like an asshole? <laughs> he brought a lot of energy okay. to the crowd, which I appreciated. Now, um, the misogyny in those 2001 lyrics, I mean, it's really remarkable to hear with today's ears. And then he did a thing where he was like, you know, women, you've been through a lot in the past couple years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, now you're you're making more money than men, you know, kind of, you know, trying to pump up us the ladies. Jam, and it, it worked. But at the same time, you know. Yeah. I told you my ludicrous story, didn't I?
2: What's your... not my client <gasps> who met him. I forgot about that story!
1: Yeah. Oh, well, now you have to tell it again.
2: Yeah. So I had a client who was a hostess at like a fancy restaurant mm-hmm. down like in Power and Light. And he came in after his show one night and like they gave him like a private booth and like gave him everything he wanted and like just made sure nobody bothered him the whole night and so at the end of the night like my client it was her job to like you know make sure everything was good with him and at the end of the night like he was like wrapping it up but like not leaving and she's like you know is there anything else we can do for you and Ludacris said actually you know this this night has been wonderful you've you've Taken really great care of us. The only thing you haven't done is offered to comp the bill. (laughs) Dear God. Yeah.
1: Dear God.
2: Uh huh. Woo. (laughs) Woo. My client said she was so taken aback by it. She was just like, oh, okay, sure. I'm. I'm, I'll go talk to the manager and I'll Hey, all sometimes audacity works. <laughs> hey, it did. Well, yeah. It did. They comped his bill. They asked him to make sure he took care of the
1: servers and then they comped his bill. Yeah. <laughs> Good God. Anyway. Yeah. So I saw him perform. And that's why I'm so tired today. Yes. Hmm. Oh my. How does she do it? Yeah. I'm very professional. Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. That's right. Why'd you narrow your eyes at me? Oh, I I was expecting you to have some funny zinger throwing my way. Instead, you were just agreeing that I'm professional and great, which doesn't feel authentic. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyhow, uh, what should we plug here right off the top? (laughs) Your (laughs) butt. Yeah, we were uh,
2: preparing to record and Chris was like, someone farted in the kitchen.
1: (laughs) And Brandy had recently been in the kitchen. I was nowhere
2: near the kitchen. Everyone knows
1: that. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) to find out who farted in my kitchen, please sign up for for our our Patreon (laughs) at the $5 level or higher. That's right. That's how you get all those meaty boy bonus episodes. There's 46 of those fuckers on there. Language. There's 46 wonderful family episodes. You can also get on Zoom calls with us. Um, We're doing giveaways in those Zoom calls now. Yeah, merch giveaways. Yeah, I mean people... Or like Kristen's half-empty lip gloss. That's more than (laughs) half-empty. It's basically trash at this point. But because you're a little rat, you can't throw it away. There's still some in there. It's still good. It's still going. Anyway, sign up for our Patreon, won't you, darling? Won't you? I feel like you from last week. This week, what's that mean? Just like not. Sexy?
2: Cool. Yeah, that's what I meant. No, just like not ready to focus. Just.
1: <laughs> oh shit! You know what? I also didn't take. You my... didn't take your caboose. No, you saw me. I was in the kitchen oh, farting. No. Oh damn! Spoiled the mystery. <laughs> No, I, you know, you just get what you get today, friends. Okay. Although, you know, oh gosh, maybe we should pause so I can get properly medicated. Yeah. 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 Medication break. I got bad news for you, lady. What? While I was downstairs getting my medication, I remembered something that I had wanted to confront you with since Monday. Since Monday? Brandy, if you'll recall, on Monday, we had a business meeting. We sure did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What happened? What are you confronting me about? Oh, well, you're about to find out. Bitch. <laughs> so, everyone, picture it, please. Brandy and I are in a conference room. We're meeting with someone. Okay, the person steps out. I, like a good friend, turned to my friend Brandy and I said... You've got something on your shoulder. Well, why a, are you telling the people oh, this? So she just had, she just had some, some you know crust. Yeah, there were like some. It was some. some Don't worry about some it. Some Particles. There were yeah. some particles. Yeah. And so she brushes off. She's like, oh gosh, thanks. Okay, all right. So the lady comes back. We continue the meeting. I notice the lead lady keeps looking at me, in my eyeballs, and I'm thinking, man, she's really. She's really looking You know, at me. I
2: did notice that she was making very strong eye contact with you. Yeah. What did you make
1: of that? I didn't know what to make of it, but yes. I 100% noticed it. Here's what I made of it. I was like, she thinks I'm more important than Brandy. <laughs> okay. I was like offended, but also complimented. Well, I kind of thought that...
2: P- probably along that same lines, but because the meeting was under your name. No, no, because she <laughs> looked at us and
1: she's like, this one right here. Mm-hmm. This one's the one to the make, one eye, to make contact eye contact with. with. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking, right? For the okay. entire meeting, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Just like, wow, I'm getting the eye contact business. Yeah. Then I get into my car. I look in my rearview mirror. I realize that I have mascara all over my eyelids. You did? Yes. And my friend didn't tell. me I didn't notice it. Okay. Well then, I guess this confrontation is wasted because <laughs> I drove home that whole way. I was like,
2: "That bitch!" No,
1: I didn't. I notice. told her it could not have about been the... all over. Oh, it was where all, all over my eyelids. You know, I've I've got kind of moist dewy skin yeah because of she, all the products youthful glow yes and like the mascara had transferred oh, to I didn't basically my brow bone
2: did not see that at all okay well, I absolutely would have told you had I noticed that alright it couldn't have been that noticeable then I had that woman really scared. I th- okay, I will I will back you up on that. Uh, I noticed that she was making hard eye contact with you <laughs> and I thought it was a little odd. But
1: <laughs> and now you know that it was because my eye makeup was fucking jacked. Anyway, should I tell a story now? Yeah, probably. I think that's what the people tuned in for. Gosh, the confrontation didn't go as dramatically as I thought it would. How, I thought, Yeah, how did you anticipate it going? I thought you'd be like, well, here's why I didn't tell you. Blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, that's not good enough. <laughs> and then, you know. It no, just, I no. simply did not notice it, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't anticipate that you would just lie like this. All right. I'm hey. not lying. <laughs> Are you ready to hear about an asshole? Yeah, are you talking about your own butthole and how you lost... Is this the tale of how you lost your butthole to me? This is how you find out that you're being served. <laughs> I looked at the spot where my asshole used to be in the <laughs> and mirror I said, and I said, let's, let's go, go to court! <laughs> I like to think that this is someone's first episode right here, right now. Yeah, it definitely And they're is. hearing a ridiculous story about us in a business meeting, yeah. me trying to start a fight with you failing, and then you... Saying that I have no butthole. Uh-huh. There's, yeah, the, all of those things did
2: just happen, and it is somebody's first episode. Welcome to the show. Yeah. But it, you, <laughs> at least it's not the episode where we talked about the butthole-licking contest at the beginning.
1: I wasn't there for that one. That you was guest-hosted by someone <laughs> awful, obviously. I bring a certain class and sophistication to this yes, program. Yes, the Grace
2: Kelly of podcasting. We all know.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, Brandy, do you know this case?
2: I mean... D- no, based on the name you sent me, no, I don't. Yeah, you.
1: No. Mm-hmm.
2: I was going to say based off of
1: this, but no, based off of the name that you sent me, no, I do not know it. Excellent. All right. Um, hugest of shout outs to Paul Rubin, who did a ton of what? Pee Wee Herman. Is that Paul Pee Wee Herman's real name? Paul Rubens, but yeah, I believe. Mm. Yeah, I think this is a different Rubens. fella.
2: Rubens. Rubin's Case, Rubens, Campiano, <laughs> and Bryant. I think it's Paul Rubens. I'm so
1: glad we paused for this. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: told you that I am you from last week. This
1: week <laughs> is this
2: your revenge? Is
1: that what you're doing? I think to tell
2: it me? is. I, we had a deeply unsatisfying
1: lunch today. <laughs> we did. It sucked. <laughs> it sucked. So bad. Every now and then, Norm tries to get us to broaden our horizons, try a new place, and boy, when it's not good, we let him hear it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyhow. Yeah. Uh, Paul, Paul Rubin. Rubin. Okay. Who I don't believe is Pee Wee Herman. Or part of Ruben's Case, Ruben's On and Bryant. <laughs> right. Uh, did a lot of great reporting for the Phoenix New Times back in the day. Okay. And also, I watched an episode of American Justice. Oh. oh love that show. Also from back in the day. Yeah. Is that show still on? You know, I think they started it up again. Oh, okay. But this episode I found like... It's the oldie one. I found it on like the dark web, Oh, you know? yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You're on 4chan looking this <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> Wait, is that still around? Is 4chan still a thing? I don't know. I have no I'm, idea. I'm sorry to tell you. You'll have to Google that on your own time, yeah. ma'am. No, I'm not Googling 4chan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Picture it was the 1980s and brian Eftanoff was a bit of a douche oh a self-described jet setter no brian was (laughs) (laughs) extremely fond of everything about himself everything (laughs) yeah what's not to love okay uh he was handsome Uh uh-huh really handsome Uh, was he yeah okay
0: what, what else, else does he have you, going baby? for
1: him? Um, first, let's keep talking about how hot oh, he is. Sorry. God damn! All right, dude looked like a Ken doll. He was tan, smooth and smooth from the waist tall out. and blonde, <laughs> and had a smooth lump where his penis should be.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry for messing your joke up.
1: <laughs> I just like that. That's exactly where both our minds <laughs> <Yes>. went. <laughs> To be clear, I have no idea what his lump looks like. That's disgusting. (laughs) disgusting. I'm sorry, I took it too far. (laughs) Anyway, Brian didn't exactly play by the rules, Brandy, because he didn't need to. He grew up in Indiana. By the time he was 20 years old, both of his parents had passed away, so he moved out to California. His sister later said that she figured he would either become a millionaire or wind up on Skid Row. Oh, and that was a pretty good assessment. Because fairly quickly, after he arrived in California, Brian began making good money. Doing what? By being the ringleader of a cute little criminal enterprise. Okay. Where, you know, you just go steal shit from Beverly Hills people. You ever tried that? No. <laughs> Take some rare coins, you know, some stuff. I assume you go to a pawn shop. Yeah, probably. Should we start a. Uh, Crime ring right now. I'm the leader. <laughs> <laughs> uh, believe me, apparently it's easy to tell. What's
2: what's happening? I mean with just you over there? drips are happening. Just drips, and I respect wood, so Yeah. Do
1: you have a coaster over there? No, no you don't. don't. No respect for wood. Anyway, what what are you The lady at our meeting could clearly tell you were the ringleader. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> no. She was like, how did Tammy Faye get in there?
2: <laughs> You for sure did not look like Tammy Faye.
1: I, I 100% would have noticed that. Anyway, well, I, I, it, it inspired me to, like, grab, okay, like, all right, I need to do, like, a heavy-duty eyeshadow primer because I've been trying con- concealer lately. Oh, yeah. It doesn't work for me. Mix has
2: a really nice primer. That's what I use. Okay. Because I have hooded eyes, and so I get, like, If I don't use a primer, then I do get lots of transfer. So Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm.
2: not from mascara because I have lash extensions, but from my eyeliner. So anyway, this is too much detail. Nobody cares. It's a lot of detail.
1: (laughs) And I'm glad we're giving it to the people, you know. They want to know. You want to talk more about my hooded eyes? (laughs) Anyway, so he's the ringleader of a criminal enterprise. Okay, that's right. But all good burglary rings must come to an end. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. One of the guys snitched on the rest of the guys. Oh, that is rough. And so Brian came after that guy with a baseball bat. Mm -hmm. And um, long story short, in 1984, Brian took a plea deal and he headed off to prison for three years for receiving stolen property. Before he went off to prison, he got married. But Brian is not a fun guy to be married to. And so a few years after he got out of prison, Brian and his first wife divorced. But don't worry, by 1990, Brian was doing just fine. What was he doing now? He owned a Porsche. How'd he get a Porsche? By going to a Porsche dealer and getting a Porsche. What kind of business
2: has he been in that is making money for him to
1: buy a Porsche? How about you slow down, (laughs) okay? (laughs) First, I'd like to tell you about the lifestyle. Oh, okay. Okay, so.
0: Lifestyles
1: of the rich and the famous. They're always complaining, always complaining. Anyhow, <laughs> <clears throat> he owned a Porsche. He was killing it with the ladies because mm-hmm. handsome. He loved a nightclub. Loved popping bottles. Mm-hmm. He loved recreational drugs. Oh, what was he using recreationally? You know, a little pot, a little coke. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Also, fun fact about him, he hated when women rejected him. Yeah, that's not surprising. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For example, one time he was in the parking lot of a restaurant and he tried hitting on these two women and they weren't interested because they were bitches Uh you know and brian got pissed and so he went to speed off in his porsche and when he did he decided to be like extra cool and rev the engine as he peeled Uh, out but when he did that the car stalled and the women laughed at him and brian got really mad because it wasn't funny
0: do you
2: do you want to hear a 10 pounds fun fact along along those lines sure Okay, so when my dad was younger, there was, like, a period of time that he had a motorcycle. Cool. Yeah. He thought he was pretty cool on his motorcycle. Yeah. And he was, like, sitting at a red light on his motorcycle and the way i remember it he'll probably tell you me this is different but okay. there was like a a car next to him some some hot ladies in it I'm, in right. my mind it was a convertible but i don't know of that course that's it is. true yes and yes. you know he kind of like glanced over and then was trying to be cool yeah. and they were clearly looking at him oh yeah yeah and then the light turned green and his shoelace was stuck on his like f- like on the motorcycle <laughs> somehow and he ended up toppling over <laughs> <laughs>
1: Was he in like new balances on this (laughs) motorcycle? So, how many digits did your dad get that day? Any digits. That's weird. Huh? (laughs) Well, let me tell you what this guy did when he was rejected by the ladies. He got out of his car and had physical contact with the women. Oh, yeah. No, 10 pounds. Fun fact he did not do that. Well, that's only because he couldn't catch up to them. (laughs) got his new balance stuck (laughs) so although we are obviously on Brian's side in this whole altercation how dare these ladies turn him down obviously they were gay I mean there's no other explanation (laughs) (laughs) do you remember when that was the thing people would say oh yeah you're not interested in me must be gay yeah (laughs) yeah Unfortunately, the cops didn't see it that way, Brandy. Mm-hmm. And so Brian ended up pleading no contest to battery charges and he was put on probation. Mm. Okay. But don't worry. Brian didn't let those blind lesbians get him down. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> By this point, he was living in Phoenix and he was very active in the nightclub scene and he had a very successful business selling wholesale auto parts and car alarms. Mm. Remember, this was back in the day when like you would go near a car and be like. "Ah, ah, ah, ah." Absolutely. Mm -hmm. The dude was rich. He could have any woman he wanted except for those bitches who laughed at him. (laughs) And so one night, Brian and his best friend Nick went out to a club called Jets mm. with a Z. Oh, I, I hate they, it. were they hoping to cool their jets? Oh. Yeah, maybe they were. Yeah. Actually, no, because cool your jets means relax,
0: right? Yeah, they were no, just going to relax. No, no, that's not
1: his vibe. Oh, all what right. the hell is wrong with you? He's speeding off in a Porsche. <laughs> He's the ringleader of a burglary
2: crew. He's not trying to cool all anything. Right. Well, perhaps he should have been looking for a club called Sharks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's yep. very proud
1: of herself. I am. You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> It was at Jets, with a Z, Mm -hmm. that Brian spotted a truly gorgeous woman. She had legs for days, thick, lustrous hair, a big smile. And Brian turned to his buddy Nick and said, Was that your stomach? It was my stomach. I thought we were going to ignore that. Because I was mid-fucking-sentence when my body betrayed me. I'll grant you, it sounded pretty low in my stomach. Might not have been my stomach. Might not have been. But uh, again, yeah, it was close to your butt. I think. See, this is—it's interactions like these that make me think you did know that my mascara had traveled nearly to my forehead. <laughs> I did not know. <laughs> the mics 100% would not have picked that up. The that, stomach noise? Yes. Oh, I bet they did. No, no. Everyone go back 30 seconds and you listen for <laughs> what sounds like the most adorable fart, maybe, <laughs> that you've ever heard. You won't hear it. I guarantee it. Patty, rewind. Thick, lustrous hair. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow... Brian turned to his buddy Nick and said, (laughs) That was just a joke. That was my mouth. (laughs) So stupid. We're uh, professional podcasters. <laughs> we sure are. Okay, I don't know if you ever have this experience when you're meeting someone new and they ask you what you do. Oh, well, you probably don't because you also do hair and stuff. Yeah, But I'll tell them about the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then because that's such a ridiculous answer, people are kind of like, you know, they try to find a polite way to right. like, but what do you do to make money? <laughs> right. And yeah, the answer is... I fart in a room and a mic maybe picks it up <laughs> and people giggle. They do giggle sometimes. Anyhow, Brian turned to his buddy Nick and said, I own that. I'm going to get that. Gross. Uh huh. Oh my gosh. Yep. Hate it. Hate it. By the way, Nick tells this story like it is just a hoot. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it's like Glengoolia. Who? Did you make someone up just now?
2: No, that's the man that Drew Barrymore is marrying in The Wedding Singer.
0: I think My his name's Glenn. Oh
1: God. What? Yeah, he
2: Okay. He calls women grade A choice meat. Ew.
1: Yeah. Mm. Sounds exactly like what this douche would say. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Fair. his name Glenn? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> anyhow brian went over introduced himself i assume but who knows he might have done one of those douchey moves he's where he's like eh, send her over oh i, I i'm fully making that yeah. part up i'm just yeah. getting a vibe you know yeah it seems on brand <laughs> the gorgeous woman was judy harding she was quite a bit younger than brian how much younger About 10 years. right. He was 32. She was 22. And they'd had very different life experiences. By that point, for those who are keeping track, Brian had been to prison. He'd been married and divorced. He'd started his own business. And Judy was a college student. Yeah, she's 22. Yep. Judy was from Mandan, North Dakota. Mm. I think that's how you pronounce that. (laughs) Who knows? Could be... North Dakota knows. (laughs) 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 She was the second of four children, and she was fun and outgoing. And after she graduated high school, she enrolled at North Dakota State University, where she joined a sorority and met her best friend, Tamara Colwell. And after a while, Judy and Tamara were like, hey, wait, what the hell? Why are we living in cold-ass North Dakota? Let's go somewhere warm. Ooh. So they transferred to Arizona State University, and they enjoyed themselves. Yeah, it's party school. Then one night, Judy met Brian. Judy was smitten. She was immediately gaga over him. You're making a face like you don't like it one bit, but Mm. I'm sorry. That's just where we're going with this tale. Okay. Judy's friends did not like this man. They thought that Brian was arrogant hmm Controlling. Yes. Sort of a douche. Yes. But Judy really liked him. The two of them began dating, and within just a few months of meeting each other, they began living together. Okay. Brandy's raising her eyebrows, but she really can't talk. I can't. I have because, no room for judgment here. Because you see... She and David met on a hookup app, and 12 (laughs) minutes after meeting each other, they combined their finances, they moved in, and Brandy was eight months pregnant somehow. (laughs) (laughs) That's not far off from the actual timeline. (laughs) So they're living together, but it was a pretty wild time, I got to say. Oh, yeah? Just like you and David. Yeah, Brian's buddy Nick was their roommate. They all loved to go out together. They loved to drink. They loved to dance. They did some drugs. Not ibuprofen. Yeah, I was guessing not. <laughs> Harder than ibuprofen. Uh-huh. Extra strength, my friend. <laughs> Everything was great, sort of. Was it? <laughs> yeah, great, sort of. Mm-hmm. What's the sort of? Don't worry about it. Okay. At some point, when she was just a few credits shy of graduating, Judy dropped out of college. I didn't see anyone go into this, but so this is just me speculating. Yeah. I don't think it's any accident that she quit just before she was about to get that degree. Well, yeah, that seems very influenced. Yes. Yes. Did you hear my stomach again? I sure did. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel like I've got a cauldron. I'm sitting on a cauldron. I'm creating my own witch's brew. You right are. Now. You're a bubbling. <laughs> what if I don't survive this episode? It's possible.
0: I'm <laughs> just gonna shoot through the ceiling.
1: <laughs> How would you explain it to the people? I don't even
2: know because I'd probably be pretty concerned by whatever you know overflow may have splashed my
1: way are you serious I rock it through the roof land God knows where you hear my scream then you don't hear it anymore and you're <laughs> like oh some of it got on me that is terrible ma'am try again <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know
2: this is so ridiculous. It was even more ridiculous. Is this is the second time we have had to
1: explore this hypothetical on this podcast. No, we haven't. What are yes. you talking about yes. me rocketing out yes. of my seat, propelled by my own farts? Yes. <laughs> and you not caring about anything but yourself and whatever substance might get on your hoodie? Yeah. You know, that makes it even worse. Because you have an emotional support camisole underneath oh, everything, so you could just only, take it. off. I can't only wear the cami. Um, what if your friend shot off from the butt and is possibly dead? <laughs> yeah, I then mean, could you make an exception? Yes, I could make an exception. She then, wouldn't, make but an I exception. would feel very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> You'd take the curtains yeah, the, off my wall, like the, yes, a, the sound of music. Yes, yeah. the
2: emotional support cami is not a standalone piece of equipment. Right, piece of equipment. <laughs>
1: Clothing. <laughs> I love that you're such a never nude. It's like this is not merely a garment. This is this my is armor y- that I wear <laughs> yes. every day. Yes, I have my shower camisole. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I think I need to tell you right now that if you farted out out of this room and, like, landed in the bushes somewhere, I would be very concerned about you and you alone. Mm-hmm. Who's the better person? Obviously you. I guess it's Kristen. <laughs> That's why we had to sing this song. <laughs> Brandy didn't give a shit. <laughs> when Kristen but died of heart attack <laughs> anyway please stop interrupting <laughs> i'm talking to my butt of course <laughs> um so yeah she dropped out of college we believe she was pushed into dropping out yeah, yeah. cuz we know how this yes. shit works all right yeah, because if she if she gets a degree she would have the capability
2: to um dump his ass and like right. get away and get her own life
1: and mm-hmm. yeah and he doesn't have a degree so yeah. what do he you s- think you're better than see me that 100% as a threat yes she got a job working in the men's department at Neiman Marcus Oh shit okay I that know. sounds very cool it does sound cool does yes. it <laughs> and in 1993 Judy became pregnant It definitely doesn't seem like this was a planned pregnancy, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, they seemed to know exactly what they wanted to do. They wanted to get married. Judy's family was not happy about this marriage. Stop me if this is starting to sound familiar, but they thought Brian seemed like a douche. No, I do Mm. feel like I've heard that before. Yeah, and boy, those thoughts were confirmed because on Brian and Judy's wedding day, he kind of threw a fit because he didn't like Judy's wedding dress. Wow. Can you believe that? No, I can't fucking imagine that. Yeah. He didn't like her wedding dress? Yeah, and he evidently let everybody know, I guess. That's awful. Also, she's pregnant, so she's probably feeling pretty vulnerable. Yeah. Like, anyway. Um, also, this is cute. Uh, Brian apparently owed Judy's parents some money, and, you know, he just didn't pay it back. You know. hmm Whoops. Mm-hmm. So things were tense, but then Judy gave birth to a beautiful little girl. They named Ricky, and a couple years later, they had a son named Nicholas, and that was wonderful. Did they call him Ricky and Nikki? Yeah, of course they did. Fucking don't adorable. you think? I, I mean, it. I yes. guess I don't. I'm not hundred percent, but I am a hundred percent. I am. Yes. All right. From the outside looking in, the Eftonoffs were doing great. They were a beautiful family. I mean, truly, this is like the most gorgeous family. And they had a beautiful home in the foothills. Brian's business was expanding. What's his business? Car alarms. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. What's it look like from the
2: inside looking out?
1: Okay. Here we go. So (laughs) they were able to hire some nannies and maids. And basically, you know, they had kind of whatever help they needed. Yeah. And the people who worked for the Offs pretty quickly saw that Brian and Judy's marriage was rocky. Mm-hmm. First off, even though Brian was a lot older than Judy, he was still really into clubbing, really into going out to bars, loved to gamble until all hours of the night. And, you know, Judy wasn't exactly a pilgrim herself. Yeah. But motherhood had kind of chilled her out a bit. Yeah, So that kind of created some tension. Also, Brian and Judy argued a lot. One nanny said that on more than one occasion, Judy kicked him out of the house. She said she'd also seen Brian try to drunkenly hit Judy. Oh, gosh. She said that Brian constantly berated Judy for her weight. Awesome. Yeah. So the nanny was kind of stunned by this because Judy was tiny. Yeah, I imagine so. She hardly ate anything. Mm Mm-hmm. And yet, Brian went on and on about how fat she was. Yeah, it's because it's not about that. Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. It's about making her feel terrible about herself so
2: she doesn't leave him.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. Yep. Also, they would have threesomes and stuff. And, you know, that's. I love how you're saying that so (laughs) (laughs) casually. You know, they did sometimes have threesomes, and that's fine, and everybody's cool. And, like, yeah, that's some people's thing. Well, here's. So here's what I hate about it. Uh huh. So Brian presents this as like, Hey, I'm I'm if I'm gonna cheat, it's gonna be with you there, so you know, good deal for you. But like they talked to Judy's friends and they were like, Yeah, she went along with that to kind of keep the peace. That was yeah. not her thing. Yeah. So we love that. Yes, yeah, it was so great. Judy began confiding in her friends and family about how volatile the relationship had gotten. One time, Judy called her friend, Joellen Wick, to say that Brian had beaten her up. Joellen called Judy's mom and called the police, but no charges were ever filed. Mm-hmm. Joellen later said, you can't force someone to leave a situation they aren't prepared to leave. And it's true. Yeah. Judy discussed the abuse with her family, and at one point, one of her sisters warned her that if she didn't get out of her relationship with Brian, she'd wind up dead. hmm and Judy seems to have been very aware of the risks. At one point she got one of those safe deposit box. Is it a safety deposit box or a safe deposit box? I don't know the answer to that. I think safety they call it a safety dance. deposit. No 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 no. That was our so friends stupid. Behind. I apologize. Friends don't dance, and if they don't dance then <laughs> then no friends of mine. She put on a poncho. <laughs> when I pooped my wear Oh, house. I was like who put on a poncho
2: You well, did. Yeah, I got to protect my sweatshirt.
1: Yeah, betrayal. Hmm. <laughs> Judy filled it with jewelry and important documents and some handwritten notes about how Brian had treated her. Oh, really? Mhm. Yeah, I mean this is this is the thing that happens where Oh my gosh. Someone knows that they are in a really, really bad dangerous abusive, situation. Yeah. yeah. And you know that leaving is the most dangerous time. So, yep. I mean, it's didn't Nicole Brown do kind of the same thing? Of well, like, I don't know. I, I would have to go back and. Yeah. There's been so little research done on that trial, so I would have to
0: <laughs> <laughs> really dig.
1: But yeah, they, yeah, they kind of know who would be after them, mm-hmm. and ugh, it's awful. She told her sister that if anything ever happened to her, she should open that box. One time Judy called her friend Tamara and said that she and Brian had gotten into a physical fight. She said she worried that her jaw was broken. Oh, my gosh. Years went by, and more people witnessed more abusive behavior. Friends said that on a weekend in Las Vegas in 1998... Brian took some ecstasy, and he wanted Judy to take some, too, but she didn't want to, so he grabbed her by the face and shoved it in her mouth. Oh, so my So she gosh. had no choice. Yeah. According to some of Judy's fr- oh my. What I wrote here for you today is, according to some of Judy's friend, Tamra. <laughs> You know what? I think Tamra's like one hundred percent said this, not just part, of, just her. part of her. <laughs> what? Yes, ma'am. What? Would you have questions? Part the part I witnessed was the mouth. <laughs> okay. Anyway, in February of nineteen ninety nine, Judy had enough. She told Tamra, I'm gonna leave him. I can't do this anymore. So, Judy was reaching her breaking point, and in the meantime, Brian could not get it together. He couldn't stop gambling, couldn't stop partying. His business, which had been so successful, was starting to suck ass because, you know, he basically wasn't doing his job. So that, that'll that put a real... Yeah,
2: we'll put a real damper on yeah. that.
0: Yeah. <sighs>
1: Also, maybe around this time, people were like, "Hey, maybe we don't need car alarms to go ah, 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 so yeah. often that everyone ignores them." Yes. Around Memorial Day of that year, Brian and Judy got into a massive fight. Judy ended up calling the neighbors to come help her. The dude placed himself in front of Brian and told them both to calm down. And Brian referred to Judy as a co-core. Oh my God! I totally admit I.
2: What I, it took me a second to process what you said. I heard that word as coke Oh, and I was like, like parkour. What the fuck is that? And then I mm-hmm. realized that what you said was coke whore.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you've caught up with me today. <laughs> You're welcome. I realize I'm moving very, very quickly fast through this story. Haven't had a single tangent. <laughs> no, no. Nope. Just nope. stuck to the facts of the that's case right. this whole all time. facts all the time around here. According to some part of me, that's what I say. <laughs> In September of that year, Judy took the kids out to North Dakota for a little visit with her family. Mm-hmm. And when she came back, you know, people noticed she was a little jittery, I guess. Brian's assistant remembers seeing Judy at the house and noticing how busy she was. She said... She was all over the place, cleaning every possible thing. I thought it was really strange, kind of in a frenzy. What are they suggesting, that she's, like, using drugs? Nothing is being suggested. I'm just telling you what someone noticed. Okay. On September 23rd, 1999, Brian decided he wanted to have a night out on the town. He called up his buddy, Nick, and... They decided they were gonna go have a good time. So they were gonna to go to a local bar to see the lingerie show. Uh then they'd go to a casino and you know, they'd get home whenever. Did what? they name
2: their son
1: after? I assume, his don't you? Yeah, probably. Is he a real good guy? I mean, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> He's best friends with Brian. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and, you know, I'll let you make up your own opinion here. Let me tell you some more about Nick. Uh-huh. Um, Nick's wife was pregnant, and he had to fly out to Pittsburgh at 7 a.m. the next morning to be with her and their family mm-hmm. for some kind of trip. Um, but, yeah, why not go out the night before and, you yeah, know, surely live get it up. crazy, get wild. <laughs> that night, Nick went over to Brian and Judy's house, and he's pretty sure he never saw Judy that evening. But Brian said he did. He kissed her goodbye, she gave him her ATM card, she let him use her BMW to drive around that night, and the two guys took off. What the hell's wrong with your face? What's wrong? Why did she give him her ATM card? I don't know. Okay. Ever heard of generosity? Do they have separate accounts? I don't know. Okay. Brandy. Okay, all right. I just know what Brian said. Okay. So the guys took off, leaving Judy with the two kids who were five and three. Brian and Nick had a good time. Mm,
0: good
1: Don't worry. Uh, okay, well, it started off a little rocky. They went to the bar, and they were devastated to discover that the lingerie show had ended. So, you know, they just had a beer. Then they went to an ATM, and then they went to the grocery store to buy some vodka. What? 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 that's <laughs> <laughs> the weirdest night out ever. What? What's wrong? All right. You ever miss the lingerie show and then you got to go get some supermarket vodka? No. (laughs) Someone doesn't know how to have a good time. (laughs) Then they went to the casino. Uh Uh-huh. At around 4 a.m., Nick was like, okay, I'm ready to leave now. I'm done. Keep in mind, these dudes are like our age. They're like yeah. older than us at this point. Can you yeah. imagine? One of them
2: has two children and one of them has a child on the way. Both of them have wives. hmm No, and, yeah, no, I can't imagine. I don't know that I could stay up till 4 a.m. if I really wanted to.
1: <laughs> it would be a special-ass occasion and this does not seem like it was a special-ass no. occasion. So Nick's like, okay, I'm ready to leave. I need to go home and, you know... I assume packed for his flight, because I bet he was not packed. Well, he's probably got to check in at the airport soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Brian was like, no! He didn't want to leave because he was doing a great job gambling and didn't want to stop. <laughs> I, I guess another way to put it was, He was winning? Yes. <laughs> he was doing a great <laughs> job gambling. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Nick got him to leave. And, of course, as they were leaving, they got a flat tire because, you know, why wouldn't you? And by the time they finally got to Brian's house, it was like 5.15 in the morning. Nick might have gone inside to use the bathroom or maybe use the phone. He doesn't know? Can't really. Yeah, it's kind of fuzzy. Okay. But he knows he didn't see anything like unusual or wild. Uh okay? Okay, so calm down. Then he left. And at some point, Brian went into the primary bedroom and into the attached bathroom, and he freaked out. Judy was crouched face down in the fetal position. She was bruised. She was non responsive. He rolled her over and saw blood dripping from her nose. Oh my gosh. He called 911 in a panic. He said, My wife is bruised everywhere. I don't know what's going on. He began performing CPR. Mm hmm. He said, baby, don't you do this to me. I can't raise those kids on my own. Baby, stay with me. She's bruised everywhere. Either somebody broke in and beat the shit out of her or just something's wrong, please. He told the dispatcher that Judy was bruised everywhere and that her face was bloody. The dispatcher asked, like somebody beat her up? And he said, Somebody beat her bad or something. The dispatcher asked if she was breathing and he said she was. What? As in maybe um, earlier when he first got uh-huh. in there. Okay. The ambulance arrived and paramedics discovered that Judy's body was cold to the touch. Rigor mortis had set in. So she was not breathing. No, I mean it doesn't seem possible. No. Investigators arrived on the scene and Brian sent the kids to go stay at a neighbor's house. At one point, a police officer was interviewing the Eftonoff's nanny and the cop was very surprised when he saw Brian look at the nanny and do that gesture where you drag your index finger across your throat. What? Oh, signifying that she's dead, not like I'm going to kill you. Hmm. Interesting. Who knows, right?
2: Yeah. At first, I was like, "Is he threatening the nanny?" But mm-hmm.
1: which yeah, is still is possible, I guess.
2: But I, my my I don't know. The more logical portion of my brain says he's probably like doing a very inappropriate gesture mm-hmm. to signify that his
1: wife has died. Yeah, so that's what he says. Okay, he says first of all he doesn't remember doing this at all. Okay, but if he did it, that's exactly what he was doing. He was communicating to the nanny that Judy was dead. Okay, and obviously in like. Why would you do it that Why? way? Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Anyhow, people were so sad to hear about Judy, obviously. Yeah. She had only been 30 years old. She had two young children. She had so much life left to live. But Brian couldn't help but think about himself. I'm sure that he couldn't. <laughs> Well, hang on. He was the one who was going to have to raise the kids by himself. Look at the mess that he was in, Brandy. Shouldn't people be more focused on him? No. Agree to disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Investigators asked Brian if they could take him in for questioning, and he said sure. On the way to the station, he made some small talk. Side note, folks, my neighbor is using his leaf blower. (laughs) Is that what that is? Yeah, that's 100% what it is. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) Detective Joe Petrosino was assigned to the case, and he was the one who questioned Brian that morning. And right off the bat, Brian kind of gave him the Mm heebie-jeebies. Because the thing was, Judy's cause of death was not immediately clear. This was not like, oh, for sure a homicide. And yet one of the first things that Brian said to the police was... I have an alibi. Okay. He told the detective all about his night. I added a lot of extra syllables there. I thought it sounded great. It did.
0: What? So
2: that whole night out was to... Was to set an alibi? I don't know. But nobody even... Nobody what? Nobody even saw Judy before they went out, did they? Did Nick see Brian Judy? did. Oh, Brian thinks he did, is what you said. Brian's pretty sure he 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 saw her her that day. Oh, that's right. He got the ATM card. Sorry, excuse me. Nick is unsure if he saw her or not, which is weird as fuck, but okay. No, it's not. Yes, it is. If I came to pick you up, Mm -hmm. I would 100% know if I saw Norm or not. Well, Norm has a
1: very, very magnetic presence. (laughs) (laughs) You would notice him right away. If I was asked, did you see Norm,
2: Mm -hmm. I could say yes or no. It wouldn't be like, "Did,
0: did I see Norm?
1: Probably. I probably saw Norm. No, I would know. Okay. Well, Sorry. You think maybe you're a little different from a man who's going to a lingerie show and then buying supermarket vodka? yes, obviously I'm different, but I don't think this is like a huge stretch to imagine
2: that this guy could remember clearly yes or no.
1: All right. All right. (laughs) Well, anyway, the detective asked Brian about his relationship with Judy and he asked if they ever fought. And Brian was just
2: perfect and nothing was wrong. No, no, no. Mm -mm. What's he say?
1: He asked if they ever fought, and Brian said, of course. Okay. Yeah. But he said their fights were verbal fights, not physical. And then Brian said, and I love this, let me just tell you my rule. I have a ton of respect for women, but if you're going to act like a guy, you get treated like a guy. Smack me in the face, good chance you're going to get smacked back. This guy is a douche. <laughs> yep. Yep.
2: And what a weird thing to say after you've explained that your your arguments aren't physical.
1: Yeah, clearly they are. They are. Yeah. But you're trying to come up with a way where it's yeah. not your fault. Yes. And so if a woman acts like a guy, then Yeah. you can do whatever. Now there's a fucking dove cooing outside the window. (laughs) This episode's a mess. (laughs) Toward the end of the interview, Brian did admit that Judy used cocaine. You know, she took diet pills. The cocaine made sense. Investigators had found some cocaine in the house, Mm -hmm. so that tracked. So, you know, the detectives just kind of making notes of everything. And then Brian began asking the questions. Oh, did he? Did they suspect foul play? Uh-huh. Was he a suspect? And the detective was kind of like, mm, slow your roll. I don't know. I think I'd probably ask those questions, too. I Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the detective wanted him to slow down. Okay. But Brian was incapable of slowing down. He couldn't possibly. Soon, Judy's death made the news, and Brian took it upon himself to hold a press conference in his driveway. At that press conference, he read a statement about how great the police were and how they hadn't treated him like a suspect, and they'd kept him calm when he was upset, and blah, 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 and, hey, everybody, make sure you spend a lot of time with your wife and kids. You know, it's important. Okay. So that was... You know, a little odd. Yeah. And then at Judy's funeral, Brian did a totally cool normal thing where he went up to Judy's grieving parents and asked them how long after a death like this he would need to wait before he got remarried.
2: At the funeral he asked this? Yeah. Holy shit.
1: Yeah. Can you imagine? No. Later, Brian popped on over to Neiman Marcus. He wanted to use uh, Judy's employee discount. Mm-hmm. Just one last time for old time's sake. He was surprised that he could no longer use her employee discount. Yeah, that's how that works. But should it, Brandy? Yes. Must it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, investigators looked into Judy's death. The medical examiner performed Judy's autopsy, looked at the bruises to her body. She had a bruise on her neck, on her cheek. She had a bruise on her thigh. She had broken blood vessels on her right eyelid. She had some other kind of minor scrapes and stuff. He also found hemorrhaging in Judy's throat and internal damage to her neck. Strangulation? Not quite. Okay. Not quite. I'm trying to think of how this was worded in the article. But it was basically like uh, like maybe someone had strangled her possibly for a little while. Well,
0: mm-hmm. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Possibly. But okay. it couldn't have
1: been the cause of death. Right. Okay. okay. He discovered blunt force trauma to her head. And undigested cocaine in her stomach which maybe suggested that she'd swallowed it yeah so that was super weird but the medical examiner determined that what killed Judy was a stroke when someone dies of a stroke it can take a while and a person can have trouble walking get really mm-hmm. disoriented they can collapse so there you go that's Is that explaining the bruising maybe Okay. Maybe not.
2: It's super unusual for a 30-year-old woman to die of a stroke. Yeah.
1: A few weeks later, the toxicology results came back and they showed that Judy's stroke had been brought on by a cocaine overdose.
0: Mhm.
1: So that that was the explanation. Mhm. Judy died of a cocaine overdose. Maybe. Maybe. Well, I mean, investigators and people close to Judy worried that that wasn't the full story. Mm -hmm. Judy's son, Nicholas, was deemed too young to be helpful in this investigation. He was only three. Mm -hmm. But the couple's daughter, Ricky, wasn't. So she was interviewed at a child abuse assessment center. And here's part of that interview. The interviewer asked her if her parents fought. And Ricky said, yeah, a lot of times. How old is Ricky? She's five. Okay. Interviewer, what happens when your mommy and daddy fight? Ricky, they get along really easily after that. Interviewer, what do they do when they fight? Ricky, they just wrestle around. Interviewer, does someone ever get hurt when your mommy and daddy fight? Ricky, yes, I always get hurt. Oh, Oh my gosh, that breaks my heart. I know. So this is the day after Judy Mm -hmm. died. And the interviewer says, I was wondering, did your mom and dad have a fight last night? And Ricky said, no, they didn't fight. Later, Ricky was interviewed again.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Here's how that went. She said, sometimes they fight like how dinosaurs fight. They kick and punch. The interviewer asked who kicked and who punched. And Ricky said, well, mom does the kicking and dad does the punching. My mom does it both and my dad does it both. I mean, he chops, chop, 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 chop. The interviewer asked Ricky to draw some pictures of, you know, where her mom was punched, and Ricky did. And in that drawing, she depicted Judy as having been hit in the eye, amongst other things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And remember from the autopsy, yeah, yeah. there's, there's mm-hmm. broken
2: blood vessels.
1: At one point, the interviewer asked her where the blood had gone, because she mentioned blood. Mm-hmm. The interviewer said, "Did someone clean up the blood?" And Ricky said, well, my daddy cleaned it, actually, with the mop, the wet mop. Mm. The interviewer asked if the nanny had seen the blood. And Ricky said, yep, she did the same thing as I did. What does that mean? Interviewer, what did Natalie do? Ricky, I don't know. It's just a story story. It's not really a real story. Interesting. So what do you make of that? I think those are the answers that
2: I would expect from a five-year-old. But I think probably the basics of it are the truth Mm -hmm. that she's seen her parents have physical fights. Right. And that she saw her dad clean up blood at some point. Okay.
1: Even if she says, I don't know, it's just a story, it's not a real story? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, Ricky said some damning things. But, you know, she's five. Mm-hmm. And she said some things that were contradictory. Yeah. So, it's hard to know what to believe. Absolutely. But people were definitely concerned about whether Brian should have custody of his kids. Yeah. Uh, Fair to say. Yes. So in November of 1999, there was a hearing to determine whether the kids should keep staying with family friends or if they should move into foster care for the time being. And during that hearing, Brian's attorney tried to kind of help him paint himself as a loving husband and father. But that was tough. There was Mm -hmm. this cloud of suspicion over him. And Brian's own behavior didn't do him any favors. When questioned, Brian told an assistant attorney general that he hadn't killed his wife. He'd never been violent with her. He said that if Judy ever got any marks on her, it was from swinging at him and missing because, you know, she's so jealous. Mm-hmm. Then the prosecutor asked Brian about a conversation he'd recently had with Judy's brother. Here's how that testimony went. Prosecutor, did you lose your temper with your brother-in-law in your last conversation? Brian, no. Yesterday I made a comment about how much credit would a coke whore have in court and he hung up on me. Prosecutor, who were you referring to? His dead wife. Brian, to my loving wife. Prosecutor, so your wife was a co whore? Brian, she had a problem. Serious problem. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. Can you fucking believe that? No. There you go. Brian was referring to his dead wife, the mother of his two children,
0: yeah.
1: as a co whore. To her family and in court. Yeah. Why on earth would you say that? That is nuts. But there was a problem, Brandy. What's the the problem? Judy's family, they just weren't getting it, you know? They weren't understanding. So Brian took it upon himself to send Judy's family a little package. He filled the box with some of Judy's things. What? I'm waiting. I'm just waiting to hear. Mm -hmm. He included a baggie of cocaine, some straws, and a rolled-up dollar bill. Holy shit. In a letter he wrote to them, he said that Judy had a serious drug problem, and he couldn't keep covering for her.
2: He sends this to them after she has
1: died? Yes, because he is trying to tell everyone, you know, you know, at first it was like maybe someone beat her up. But then he's thinking "Mm, maybe a cocaine overdose. So, like, her family needs to know, Brandy, that she was addicted. So, you know, best way to do that is you tell them and also you send them stuff in the mail. Am I right? No. Holy shit. Yeah, it's. Remarkably cruel. Yeah. Also very illegal. Yes. can just like Yeah. Can't just put cocaine in the mail and send it off to North Dakota. No, I'm pretty sure you can't. South Dakota, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I bet my butthole. <laughs> <laughs> careful. Careful. I've been down that road, my friend, and it didn't work out well for me. <laughs> The great state of North Dakota where Kristen lost her butthole. (laughs) That's right. For what it's worth, Brian says he did not do this. He was framed.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Detective Joe, who had been on this case, was just stunned. Brian kept calling him, looking for updates on the case, like just calling constantly. And Brian would just talk and talk and talk. Brian told him that he was working on a book about this. He was working on a screenplay. About his wife dying? Yeah. He said, quote, it's my responsibility to the public to do that, Joe. To do what? Write this screenplay. Write this book. I don't know. What's the matter? You don't support the arts? I yeah, I do support the arts. Okay, so
2: with all of this fucking weird behavior mm-hmm. following Judy's death, is anybody thinking like, hmm, maybe Brian was involved in some Oh, way. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay.
1: But what proof do we have? Well, none.
2: Mhm. Okay.
1: What do you think he did?
2: I don't know. Force force fed her cocaine. Hmm. Okay. I don't, I don't understand. Like, I can't imagine a scenario where she has a, a large enough amount of cocaine undigested mm-hmm. in her stomach mm-hmm. that that was discoverable on an autopsy. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When the autopsy came out, Brian told Detective Joe that the amount of cocaine in Judy's system seemed impossible. He suggested that that amount of cocaine seemed like someone must have forced Judy to take it. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yep. <clears throat> and that's when the light bulb went off over the detective's head. Uh huh. So that's how he'd done this. Yeah. He'd forced Judy to ingest a lethal dose of cocaine. Okay, I promise you that timing was not scripted in any way. I love that.
2: <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Prosecutor Kurt Altman was gleeful. Brian had given them their theory. Yeah. And so Brian Eftanoff was arrested for second degree murder and drug transportation. Yeah. Brian was livid. He told the media, when I walk away from this, I'm going to make millions on them when I file my lawsuits. Okay. The trial began on February 14th, 2001.
2: Mm. Valentine's Day.
1: Yep. How often do you think they do that on purpose? I think they do that on purpose all the time. All the time. The prosecution theorized that on the night in question, Brian and Judy had gotten into a fight. During that fight, Brian had beaten Judy badly. He'd knocked her unconscious. And to cover up that beating, he'd stuffed cocaine down her throat and left her for dead.
2: Which explains the damage to her throat, right?
1: Yeah. So that's the prosecution's theory is that it's not really a strangulation. It's like forcing someone to swallow. It's like when you make a dog swallow a pill. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and then he'd gone out gallivanting with his friend, so he'd have an alibi. hmm In their opening statement, Brian's defense attorney said that the prosecution's theory was just groundless speculation. The prosecution called toxicologist Dr. Randall Baselet to the stand, or Basalt. I think it's Basalt. Or bath salt. No, okay. <laughs> Lance Bass actually oh, is wow. the one who and you testified. know, It's amazing because this is two thousand one peak in sync. He was busy, and I don't know that he was the best toxicologist they could have called. He testified that based on the evidence, Judy had taken approximately a gram of cocaine about an hour or two before she died, mm-hmm. and that was too much cocaine. Taken too quickly for Judy to have ingested that on her own. She had to have been forced.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She would have passed out before she could have willingly taken that yeah. amount. The prosecution also called Brian and Judy's daughter, Ricky, to the stand. By this point, Ricky was seven years old. You know, she couldn't really remember much. Yeah. The prosecution showed the jury the pictures that Ricky had drawn of her mom's injuries The prosecution called to the stand one of the people who'd interviewed Ricky. And on cross-examination, defense attorney Jim Cleary questioned the reliability of a young child's memory. Yeah. He held up the drawings and said, you don't know when these incidents occurred, correct? And the woman said, "Correct." correct. Judy's mother took the stand for the prosecution. She talked about what Brian said to her at Judy's funeral and how it felt to receive that package in the mail. When the prosecution rested, the defense had a pretty clear strategy. But Brian had his own ideas. Oh, yeah? He wanted to testify in his own defense. Great. Yeah, this went so well at that hearing. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, you you called your dead wife a coke whore. In right. In in court at a hearing to determine whether you should have custody, custody of, of your, your children. children. So his defense attorney knew this was a terrible yeah. idea and told him this is a bad idea. Yes. Please no. But Brian was cocky. Yeah. And, you know, you do have the right to. Absolutely. I mean. help <sighs> So he decided he was going to set everybody straight. He's, you know, he's going to get up there, tell them the story. Yeah. Okay. so the journalist who covered this case for the Phoenix New Times, who was Pee Wee Herman, just got that in, later said that watching Brian testify was like, quote, watching a man cut his own wrists over and over. Holy shit. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. When he took the stand, and I don't, I wish I had seen video of this. I don't know how this looked. But apparently he demonstrated how Judy had looked when he came upon her Uh in the bathroom. And this made everyone very uncomfortable. I can
2: imagine.
1: He talked about, you know, obviously they try to do the thing of, you know, saying he loved her, blah, blah, blah. And then he talked about how much Judy Loved cocaine. Mm-hmm. He said, quote She just couldn't put it down. It's like a lay's potato chip. It's hard to put down. When you start, it's hard to stop. Hmm. Okay. Are you mad that he messed it up? I it's, Pringles? Am. it's
2: Pringles. Once you
1: pop, you don't stop. First of all, how dare <laughs> First you? First of all, how dare you? No, you're Yes. Uh huh. And then what else, Brandy? <laughs>
2: Second of all, that's ridiculous
1: why well
2: because if she really had a substance use disorder you mm-hmm. should have gotten her help
1: well um yeah okay i mean <laughs> uh in a perfect world sure uh-huh. okay so yeah he says this and the jury ap- i just spat everywhere That's i apologize fine. i not see it i wouldn't mm-hmm. have even known but now you know <laughs> The jury was just like, what? Yeah. So, yeah, he says his thing about the Lay's potato chip. And then he said that, you know, if she took a really big dose of cocaine, then, yeah, you know, she was probably murdered. What? What? He said that? He said, quote, if it was anything like a one-time dose of like a gram or more, then there's obviously foul play, you know. Because he didn't think she would take that much, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. In like a one time dose, uh-huh, so, you're
2: on trial for murder, and you just said your wife was murdered
1: yeah, i mean if it's if it's what they're saying about the one time dose, then yeah, yeah, he talked about how much he loved Judy and how every couple of months they'd rent a hotel room quote just to keep it fresh between us,
0: mhm-,
1: yeah. On cross-examination, which, my God, this prosecutor had to have been so excited for this. Sneezing his jeans. Okay, that's enough. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he starts asking him questions. Uh And, you know, Brian's trying to be the good guy here. Oh, no, never hit my wife. So then the prosecutor, who, of course, knew what went down at the hearing... Went on and on about Brian calling his wife a co whore. He kept bringing it up, bring and bringing it up, and Brian was like, "No, no, no! Hey, I never referred to her as a co whore, to her face." Okay. <laughs> Holy shit! The prosecutor asked why he'd tried to use Judy's Neiman Marcus discount after she died, and Brian said. I was always getting the discount when she was alive. I believed I should get it then. It's like if someone retires. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. I mean, it's hard to think of another time when someone has just gone up and totally shat the bed on the yeah. stand. That's when you bring a futon up there with you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, can you believe this? This no! is so ridiculous. This is nuts. Uh huh. So you know, there, there's that disaster. Yeah. <laughs> so the defense <laughs> was like, okay, well, here we go. And they put Dr. Stephen Karch on the stand. This guy's an expert in toxicology. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of top of his game, mm-hmm. top of the field, yeah. top of the day to you. Yeah, D- morning. Top of the morning. Oh, top of the morning. Yeah. You don't say top of the day? No, you don't say top of the day. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> what do you say at nighttime? Uh, good night. Oh, that's boring. <laughs> bottom of the day to you. <laughs> <laughs> now, there you go. That's something I can appreciate. Lunchtime? Middle of the day middle to you. Middle of the day to you. It doesn't roll uh, off the tongue. No. You, gotta, you, you catch me at the top or the bottom yeah, of the day, You catch that's me it. outside. Mm-hmm. How about that? <laughs> Although I can't catch you outside because of your allergies. <laughs> that
2: is right. You saw me. I was outside for five minutes. Just tear stream
1: down your face. What song is this? I can't remember. Okay, very good. I also can hardly breathe. <laughs> yeah. The other day, I went out and um, trimmed a hedge, which is not like any kind of Fix metaphor. You by Coldplay. Oh. So you did know the song. It just
2: hit me. Mm-hmm.
1: Anyhow, I was telling a very delightful story about a hedge that I, I trimmed. might not even be right. Okay. okay. Yeah, you trimmed a hedge. You couldn't breathe. That's the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> are you glad you tuned into this podcast? <laughs> yes, yes you are. Hey, get a load of this hun. <laughs> This podcaster I listened to she told this great story about how she trimmed a hedge, then had a tough time breathing afterwards. <laughs> she seems fine, she seems fine. She was podcasting the next day, went to Janet Jackson, <laughs> hung out with her and Luda <laughs> this podcast is ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, and that conversation just gets weirder because then you know <laughs> they go into the I got hoes in different, different area codes, codes. area <laughs> codes. <laughs> Anyhow, so Dr. Stephen Karch, who has never been interrupted more often in his life, <laughs> took the stand again. He's a experty expert. Oh, that's right. Top that's of how morning. we the morning. <laughs> yeah, top of the morning to you, Stephen. So he's an expert. (laughs) Brandy just had to cover her face. (laughs) Why? Seems like she's embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by
0: us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's an expert on how cocaine interacts with the body. Okay. And he testified for free, which is not a thing that ever happens. No. But he had been following this case closely and he felt bad for Brian. Really? Yeah.
2: Did Mm -mm. Brian not really do this? Uh Uh-oh. Did he not? He's just a douche? Uh Not a murderer? Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, shit. Uh Uh-oh. What's he got to say? What's
1: this guy got? What's Steve? Steve? Yeah. Steve, tell us everything you know. He got on the stand and he said, bottom of the morning to (laughs) you. Because it was almost nighttime. And they were like, oh, shit, you know, let's start up tomorrow. No, bottom of the morning the would be almost the noon. What? <laughs> I just said, what do you say? At night. And you said bottom, bottom of, the, of the day. Oh, bottom of the day. <laughs> All right. Well, I wasn't paying very close attention. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I don't like that very much. Anyhow, he was kind of fired up because he... Felt like the evidence in this case was on the defense's side. He felt like the evidence did not point to a murder. Uh huh. He was very critical of what experts were allowed to say in court about uh-huh. this stuff. He told the jury that it's impossible to say exactly when Judy ingested the cocaine. He said he couldn't say whether she'd swallowed the cocaine or snorted it. He also said that he couldn't determine how much cocaine she'd ingested. He told the jury that he could confirm she'd used cocaine, but that's all that he or any expert could say definitively. He said that once a person dies, their body chemistry changes rapidly, so you can't treat blood from a cadaver the same way you would treat blood from like someone in a hospital. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well keep going. Tell us more. Well what do you think of that? I mean that's that's very interesting. It probably changes everything. In closing arguments The defense, once again, you know, talked about how the prosecution's theory is just bullshit. There's nothing backing this up.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The prosecution tried to convince the jury that Ryan was the one who was full of shit. The jury of seven men and five women deliberated for 36 hours. Mm -hmm. They immediately agreed unanimously that he'd sent cocaine to his Mm in-laws like a fucking idiot. Yeah. And they had a little more trouble on the second-degree murder charge. Yeah. But eventually they found him guilty. They did. Six weeks later, Brian was sentenced to 50 years in prison, 22 years for murder, and 28 years for sending cocaine in the mail. Really? So don't send cocaine in the mail. What the fuck? I think it was because he had priors and stuff. Okay. Yeah. More for sending coke in the mail than murder? Yeah, again, something to do with the priors, and also they really hated this guy, you know. Okay. At the sentencing, Brian cried and told the judge that he believed he was convicted for his lifestyle.
2: I would say maybe less for his lifestyle and more for his demeanor.
1: I'd say both. Yeah, you're probably right. Because this is not the kind of story you want to hear. No. No. To this day, Brian remains in prison. Mm -hmm. His appeals so far have been unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. But this case is very controversial. A lot of people, including me, Mm -hmm. believe that Brian was convicted because he was an asshole. They believe that the evidence supports the idea that Judy died from a drug overdose. Mm -hmm. And when she had that stroke... yeah. She might have fallen or done mm-hmm. something that could explain some of the bruising, I mean, also I good. do think they were you know I do think she was in an abusive relationship, yeah. Ricky and Nicholas, although surely he goes by Nicky, no, he goes by, he Nick, goes by now, Nick I bet now, yeah, so they're now adults, and they believe very strongly in their father's innocence, Wow. They were profiled on a show called Reasonable Doubt. Have you ever watched I that show? I have watched that show. Okay. So it's got the two attorneys who come in and they look over the case mm-hmm. and they d-
2: then they give their their opinion on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What do so they say? They think he was wrongfully convicted. Yeah. Yeah. I think that
2: if there's this misunderstanding about the evidence, mm-hmm. that presents huge questions
1: to me. Absolutely. Yeah. So as part of this show, Uh and I've only watched this one episode, but when they believe that someone's wrongfully convicted and they, Mm -hmm. you know, set them up with a defense attorney to try to get working on appeals and stuff. I don't know if I already said this, but he's tried to appeal in the past and it's not been successful. Mm -hmm. So they're working on this. Okay, I don't know if you remember, but last week I told like a brief story about how I'd started looking into a case where a woman was interviewed. When she was a child yeah. and now she has all these regrets. Well, that's that's right. Yeah, she. um ugh, It's so sad. I mean, she she now is just like, no, I. My words were twisted, you know, I. Well,
2: and even it doesn't even necessarily mean her words were twisted. I think it's possible that she I think it's. I think it's probable probable that she witnessed her father abusing her mother. Mm -hmm. But who knows the timeline
1: on that? Exactly. And she should not have been put in that position. No. Wow. The kids talked about their dad, how much they want him out. Mm -hmm. It was so interesting, though, because, you know, he was interviewed for the show. Just like I I don't think it was like an on-camera interview. Mm Mm-hmm but he's still abrasive. Yeah. You can you can yeah. he, he just he can't help himself. Yeah, it's just his personality. Uh-huh. Yeah. Some people are just assholes. Yeah. Yeah. Not murderers. Yeah. Some people I, are murderers and assholes. It's true. Yeah. I find this case so fascinating. I do too. Because I can totally understand why the detective and the family is just like, "Okay, Yeah. Okay. This this is too weird. Something happened here. It all adds up. What it actually kind of reminds me
2: of is the Melissa Lucio case. She's the mother who was convicted Mm -hmm. of murdering her daughter.
0: Her daughter died after a fall down the stairs. Yes.
2: And it was there was such a misunderstanding in that case about what the bruises on her daughter's Mm -hmm. body meant and how the bruises appeared after her death. And I mean, this is so similar where it's like the the prosecution, the investigators looked at this evidence to mean one thing. And then you've got this expert who says you can't look at it that way. That's not
0: necessarily what it means.
1: It was so interesting to hear that expert talk later Mm -hmm. because he was just like, you know, I got up there and like the jury wouldn't even really look at me. Mm hmm. You know, they didn't want to hear it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because the asshole has already made an impression.
1: Well, and frankly, you know, the prosecution's witness, I'm sure yeah. he made a good impression, yeah. too. You were eating it all up like a bowl of Lucky yeah, Charms. Yeah, I, I still don't know that I am. At the top of the morning. Well, I still don't know ya. that I'm convinced that he's not guilty, but I have huge questions about, yeah, how that do you really? Okay, it's so funny. When you were like, oh, he forced her to ingest the cocaine. I, when I first heard that, uh-huh. I was like, that is ridiculous. Uh huh. I thought it was just nuts yeah. that that would ever be a theory uh-huh. in a case. But it's interesting to me that you were like, oh, maybe this happened. Yeah. And I'm like, this has never happened. Ever. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. hmm Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, that's a, that's very interesting. It's what we call a brandy case in the biz. It is. In the podcasting biz. It is a brandy case, absolutely. I had never heard it.
1: And you heard it told by an expert storyteller. I
2: did. (laughs)
1: With was beautiful, tits.
2: (laughs) Okay. Wow, that was rude. All you had to do was back me up. I told you today that. I spend very little time thinking about your tits, Kristen. <laughs> hmm. You've never been
1: more offended. <laughs> no, I have not. Why do you need to lie to me, Brandy? We all know you're lying. Okay. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> Anyhow, I can see you're not going to apologize, so I think we should move on to an ad. Oh, absolutely. Ta-da-loo! And we're back from the ad. Deloo. Gonna tell me about a psychic vision? I sure am. Okay. Shout out to one semester in the
2: Discord for sharing a BuzzFeed listicle <laughs> entitled Eleven True Cases That Were Solved in Some Pretty Unexpected
1: Ways. Okay, that's that headline sucks. Yeah, it's a rough
2: case. That's <laughs> a rough I mean it's a rough headline, yeah. This case is one of those cases.
1: It, was solved in uh, it
2: would be hilarious if way. it wasn't. <laughs> Oh, this case took me to uh, some unusual places, mm-hmm. a bit outside of my comfort zone. I watched an episode of Psychic Investigators entitled what the hell is that? "I Had Never Heard of It." Okay, but it was entitled "Suddenly Psychic," which oh, I actually think is hilarious. That's very cute. Yeah. yeah, makes me think of that salad, that pasta salad mix that you can buy at the store called Suddenly Salad.
1: I am not familiar.
2: You're not Suddenly Salad. Yeah, no. Suddenly Salad.
1: That's really cute. stuff you have to, it's all in a box.
2: To make no, I, I get I the, don't like it,
1: but, you know. Oh, you like the name. I like the
2: name, not the product. That's correct. I don't like really. Great. We were about to get sponsored anyway. by them. No, we weren't. Now they think you're an asshole. <laughs> <No>. Also, <laughs> I watched a segment from Unsolved Mysteries. Just
1: a segment, huh? Yes.
2: I didn't watch the whole program. Just okay. a segment of she one episode. No time. No yeah. time. And bigger shout out to Nick Young for her article for Medium. All right. Melanie Uribe was reliable. So when the 32-year-old nurse and single mother failed to show up for her shift at Pacoima Hospital in Burbank, California, on the night of December 15, 1980, people were worried. The hospital called Melanie's home, but they were unable to reach her. There's some pretty varied reporting on who actually reported Melanie missing. May have been her sister. May have been her friend. May have been the hospital. Okay. Articles say different things, but someone reported Melanie missing after she failed to show up for work. And police went to Melanie's apartment where they spoke
1: to her roommate.
2: Her roommate? Her boom-mate? I think I said (laughs)
1: womb-mate. Oh, that's when you're a twin. Yeah. Also... Since you are struggling Mm -hmm. right now, I should mention that I have to pee very badly. So I will now pause and could you get your shit together? Yeah, I'm
2: going to take some drinks of water while you're gone.
1: You're going to 10 tanks?
2: The fuck out (laughs) of (laughs) here. Did you miss
1: me? I did so much. Okay, calm down.
2: (laughs) Melanie's roommate told police that she had not seen Melanie since she left for work. She described Melanie to police as being a five-foot, two-inch tall blonde woman. And she said when she left for work, she had on her white nursing uniform. She had a brown sweater on over that and then a black leather jacket over that. When she learned that Melanie had not shown up for work, though, that day, she was just as concerned as everybody else. Melanie would not miss work and she wouldn't take off and leave her eight-year-old son.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: The next day... On December 16th, emergency crews were called to the scene of a fire. A black pickup truck was found burned out and abandoned. The police quickly determined that it was Melanie Uribe's truck and her nursing uniform was found inside. But there was no sign of Melanie. Melanie. So police put out an alert on TV and radio pleading for anyone with information to come forward. And it wasn't long before they received a call from a man named Paul Woods. He said that on the night of the 15th, he had witnessed something at about 1045 p.m. He had seen a black pickup truck come to a stop at an intersection in the Pacoima area. And while the driver sat there waiting for the light to change, he witnessed two men come around the truck, one on the passenger side, one on the driver's side. The men forced their way into the truck as the blonde female driver screamed. And then he watched the truck drive away with the men inside of it. Did he call the police? He did not, as far as I found. As far as I found, he did not report this to anyone until he saw the appeal to the public Asking for any information about this truck. Holy shit. All right. Yeah, I can't imagine seeing that and not calling someone. But it appears that's what happened. This was obviously a lead, but Paul Woods didn't get a good look at the men. So there wasn't like a lot to go on. He knew which direction the truck turned after they left the intersection, but that was about it. They needed a better lead. They needed some kind of break. Later that same day, a 32-year-old woman by the name of Etta Smith was working at Lockheed Aerospace as a shipping clerk. And she was listening to a newscast on the radio when they began talking about the disappearance of Melanie Uribe. Etta had actually heard about this missing woman earlier in the day. A friend of hers had asked her if she'd heard about it. And she was like, oh, you know, I think I saw something, you know, Mm -hmm. on the news this morning about it. But other than that like brief mention earlier in the day, Etta had no connection to Melanie at all. They lived in the same part of California, but that was it. The radio bulletin mentioned specifically that police had located Melanie's car. It had been abandoned on a dead end street after it and then it was like set on fire. I was gonna yeah. say it was abandoned after it was set on fire, but mm. you know, you get it.
1: I'm afraid I don't. <laughs>
2: The bulletin then mentioned that the police had searched the area where that truck had been found, but they'd found no sign of Melanie, no evidence to speak of. And so they were doing a house-to-house search in the area. That's the phrase they used on this radio bulletin, a house-to-house search. Okay. As soon as Etta heard that, she said out loud, she's not in a house. And she had no idea where that thought came from. Okay. But as soon as that like left her mouth, she had a clear vision in her head of where Melanie was. She saw a canyon with a curving road. She saw shrubbery and hills in the background, and she saw a dirt path with some bushes, and in the bushes she saw something white. And she knew, in this vision, that that something white was Melanie. She didn't know the name of this location. She wasn't even really sure where it was. What's this woman's deal again? I mean, so she's just like this woman who works as a shipping clerk at Lockheed. Like, okay, she hears this bulletin on the radio, and this vision pops into her head. I said so far. Oh,
1: thanks a lot. You're welcome. Is this something that happens with her often? Oh, we'll get there. All right. I'll keep my pants on. She said
2: this will vision. will blow them off? <laughs> maybe. She said this vision was so clear it was like a movie scene in her head. Etta did not believe herself to be a psychic. She recalled having experiences in her life that she thought was odd.
1: That she thought were odd.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Like
1: moments of terrible grammar.
2: That's rude. (laughs) As a child, she recalled knowing things were going to happen before they happened. So I watched this interview with her, and in it, she talks about when she was a child, like, being told that they were going to go on a trip to go visit their cousins. And when she was told that, she could see them, like, getting in the car, driving, like, visualizing the exact route they would take, Uh visualizing specific things they would see along the way, visualizing arriving at the house and people coming out and what conversation would happen. And then it would play out. Exactly like that. All right. And so she remembers as a child telling her mom about that. And her mom had told her never to tell anyone
1: that she experienced that. Because her mother was also a psychic. And no, because her mother thought she would. Driven out of the circus. Look
2: nutso bananas if she told people that. OK. So she told her to never say anything about it. And I so, mean, is it
1: really that hard to visualize a road trip?
2: Okay. Well, this was just an expec- a specific <laughs> example, Kristen Jesus.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but like, okay, so <laughs> going on a road trip, and I arrive at someone's house. Okay, let me hang on. Oh wait, I'm, I've got a vision. You're such it. a dick. <laughs> oh my god. Here's my vision. They ask me how the trip was. Okay. They ask me if I'm hungry or thirsty. They say, "Come on in.
2: Mm-hmm. You must
1: be tired." Okay.
2: This was one example she gave. She said there were lots of examples where she would know something would happen and she
1: couldn't explain it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Today I was like, oh, my God, I think Brandy's going to wear a black shirt to this house. And then you showed up. Look at you. Yeah. In a black shirt. I sure
2: am. Anyway. (laughs) So... She's had these kind of weird experiences her whole life, and now she's sitting here having this vision of where this missing woman that she's never met is. Mm-hmm. And she didn't know what to do with it. She knew that if she told this to someone else, like Kristen Caruso, mm-hmm. that they would look at her like she had lost her fucking mind.
1: No, I am i wouldn't look at her like that. I'd just look at her like she was very dumb. <laughs> Brandy, you're such a butthole right now. I can't believe you. <laughs> but
2: on the other hand, what she had just seen in her head was so clear to her, she felt like she just she just couldn't be sure that like was she seeing she she was clear that she was seeing where Melanie was, but her fear was that what if Melanie was still alive there and she didn't take this seriously uh-huh. and she had an opportunity to go save this woman and she didn't take it. So Etta went back and forth with herself all day about what she should do. When she left work that afternoon, she was still really torn. So she started to drive home. But as she did, she found herself at a literal crossroads. She was stopped at an intersection, and she could turn one way and go home. Or she could turn the other way, and the police department was right
1: there. Mm-hmm. So she chose the road less traveled by. Okay. Okay. <laughs> How much do you hate me right now? I don't hate you, but I think you're being a bit of a pill.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So she decided that she didn't care if they thought she was nuts. She just needed to tell someone. And so she decided to go to the police station. Mm -hmm. And she told them that she had been at work. She'd heard this radio bulletin. And then she'd had this vision and that she knew that that vision was where this missing woman was. And so she met with this detective. His name was Detective Lee Ryan. And she tells him all of this and she's like, describes this location that she saw. And and Detective Ryan took her into this room with this big map. And he's like, do you think you can point on here where that area was? And And she was able to. Like, that's how clearly she knew it in her head. And so she pointed to this area on a map of Lopez Canyon, which is a part like a remote part of the San Fernando Valley. And it seemed that Detective Lee Ryan was taking her pretty seriously. Of course. He later said that he did take Etta seriously because, like, she's this businesswoman who has this top security clearance at Lockheed. Like, this wasn't – I mean, yes, she was just some random woman off of the street doing this, but she didn't really have anything to gain from this. And so he said, "Okay, we have not searched that area yet, but if you come back in the morning
1: at 7 o'clock, I'll have a helicopter here. We'll fly out there together. So, what I would assume if I were in his shoes Mm -hmm. was this is a woman who knows something, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: not because of a psychic vision, but Mm -hmm. because someone has told her something or what. And this is just the way she's letting me know. So, I'm going to take this very seriously because. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Sure. So, he tells her that and she's like, great. Okay. I'll be back here in the morning. And then as she was leaving, she's like, I don't think we should wait till the morning. And he was like, Well, you know, that's kind of that's what we're gonna do. And she was like, I don't think that's what I'm gonna do. And she left. And she yeah, and she went, she drove home. And as she was driving home, she just had this nagging feeling that Melanie was there at that spot that she had pictured. And She worried that there was some chance that Melanie
1: was alive there and that waiting till morning. Is she going to go there and find her alive and save her? No. Oh.
2: So she just thought, I can't, I can't wait until morning. So she decided to drive home. And go tell her family. So she mm-hmm. gets home. Her 21-year-old niece is at her house watching her two children. She's got like a 9-year-old son and a 10-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. And so she gets home and she tells them about the whole thing. And then she's like, I think we got to drive out there. She n- now says looking back that oh if she God. was thinking clearly she would not have taken her children along with no. her. But she did. The th- her okay. two children, her niece and Edda, all get in the car and they drive out to that area that she had pictured. As they're getting closer and closer, Etta said that she had this feeling coming over her that she could just feel Melanie in the area. She had her children like looking out both sides of the car, see if they spotted anything. So they drive up through the canyon and Etta spotted a fresh set of like tire tracks. In the dirt, in the canyon. And Mm -hmm. so she pulled over. She got out of her van. She reached down and she touched the tire tracks. And she said she felt electricity run through her body. She felt just all kinds of trauma, she said. She knew Melanie had gone through something terrible Mm. out here in this area, but she still couldn't see her. And so she got back in the car and they continued driving and then her daughter said, I see something over there. And she pointed to an area where there were bushes and there was this little bit of white sticking out from the bushes. And so Etta got out of the van and she ran over there and there was in fact a body in those bushes. my God. The white that they could see. Was nursing shoes sticking out from mm. the bottom of the bushes. She knew that this was Melanie. Yeah. She knew that this was what she had seen in her vision. So Etta and her children like jump back in the car and they're speeding down the canyon to go get the police. But as they were coming down, they saw a police cruiser approaching. What? Yeah, so maybe the detective had been like, hey, maybe send somebody out this area tonight, do yeah. like a research whatever.
1: Because this lady comes in saying she knows where somebody is.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, so they, they Etta like, laid on the horn, she waved her arm, she got this, this police officer to pull over, and she, once she flagged him down, she explained what she had found, and she said, you know, can you go and look? And mm-hmm. so he went, and he looked, and he confirmed that, There was, in fact, a body in in that bush. The officer located a small blonde woman face down with massive head trauma. It was clear that she was dead. Etta asked the officer if it was Melanie Uribe, and while the officer said he couldn't be sure, he said it seemed likely because of the nursing shoes. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So they call in, obviously the police, they block off the whole area and an autopsy was done. And they determined that this was the body of Melanie Uribe. She had been stripped naked. She had been raped and beaten and killed through blunt force trauma to the head. But they had no idea who had done this to Melanie So they started looking at Etta. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 They wondered how she knew where Mm -hmm. Melanie's body would be. Mm -hmm. Her description of the area was exact. Yeah. Down to the curve of the road and the bush with the white and the hill in the background. Sure. She described it exactly as it was. Mm -hmm. And so they wondered if maybe... Not necessarily that initially. I don't think their thought was that Etta was involved, but they had the same thought you did. Maybe she had She's overheard heard something. something. Yes. She doesn't
1: want to name them, she, but Correct. she does want this person to be found. Correct. And so they asked
2: Etta to come into the police station. Uh-huh. And they wanted to. She sat down with two different detectives now, not the same. Uh, Lee Ryan that she had met with the first time, two different detectives, and she said they wanted her to explain to them how the whole thing unfolded. And she was like, Yes, that makes sense and so she walked them through the entire thing, hearing about the missing woman, hearing about the bulletin on the news, and then having this vision. And she said that seemed very normal to her, to have them, you know, ask her to walk her through it. Sure. But as soon as she finished telling them, they were like, Okay, start from the beginning tell us everything again. Mm -hmm. And so she did it again. And this went on for hours. Shit. They had her repeat the story 10 times, 15 times. But it never changed. Mm -hmm. She told the same thing over and over again. Finally, when she was still being questioned, like at 10 p.m., I mean, Hours and hours and hours had gone by by this point. Like, this is the next day. Mm -hmm. She said it became very obvious to her that she was a suspect. Yeah. So, at this point, they really don't have much else to go on. And so they think that Etta probably has the key to solving this case. She knows something, whatever. And so... They asked her to take a polygraph test, and she did,
1: and she passed, and then they asked her to take another one. No, get out. And she did. Am I under arrest? And she passed. Am I under arrest? Am I being detained? Right. And then despite the fact that she
2: passed both, the detectives told her— That they believed, even though she passed them, that she was being deceptive because to Mm -hmm. them it appeared that she was attempting to control her breathing while she was taking the polygraph.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're going to tell her whatever Mm because polygraphs mean nothing. Mm -hmm. So they're just trying to get her nervous and get her to admit to something. Yeah,
2: that's exactly what they were trying to do. They were trying to break her down and get her to admit to something. But. She wouldn't do it. And so they arrested her. And they booked her on.
1: Oh, no. Accessory to murder.
2: Oh, shit.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. She should have listened to her mom. Never. Never tell
0: anyone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And they held her
2: for four days, Mm -hmm. hoping that she would break, hoping that she would. Give them some information she bail in this case. Out. They didn't never. They never officially charged her with anything, so she could not. She never got bail assigned. What they said uh, on this uh, psychic investigator show or whatever the hell it was called, uh-huh. uh, psychic inve- Oh, no, that's what it was called. <laughs> uh-huh. Was that she likely didn't know her rights? and that, had she even just asked for an attorney, they would have had to let, let her go.
1: I promise you, she didn't know. her Yes. Rights. Yeah. Because, and so, yeah, when you. S- when you're in this situation mm-hmm. where you feel like you're the suspect, yep. you don't have to stay there. No,
2: they held her for four days. She got like horribly sick in those four days. She lost 13 pounds in what? four days. Yeah, they likened it to dysentery on this show. How do you because lose of the that conditions much in that four she? Days? I know, right? She's being held in these horrible conditions, hoping that
1: she would break. The important thing is she looked awesome. <laughs> <laughs> her cheekbones were so defined. Oh my gosh, they've never been so defined. <laughs> now there was the trauma, sure, but I mean, mm-hmm. collarbones.
2: Yeah. So really, they held her on suspicion of accessory to murder. They never charged her with anything.
1: Oh my god. So yes,
2: so she never was. Uh, assigned a bail or anything like that and so she just stayed there for four days meanwhile they're looking into this case this investigation is going on and then a police informant came forward confidential informant no no Mm -hmm. made up I, i don't i don't think so okay so this informant said That he lived in this neighborhood kind of near that area and that he'd heard a lot of talking going on and that someone was bragging about pulling off a rape and murder. Oh, Mm -hmm. God. And that there were a bunch of people kind of talking about it. Now he'd heard it kind of secondhand Mm -hmm. and that people were really scared of the people who were involved in this. Sure. And so the police go and they try and track down – like they have a name of someone who heard, you know, whatever. And so they mm-hmm. track down this guy. They talk to him. And he's like, yeah, it's this um, – they get the name of this 17-year-old kid, Norman Willis. 17? 17-year-old. And everybody is saying that he's been bragging that he murdered this woman.
1: No way.
2: And so they track this kid down. And he comes in and he immediately is like, nope, I'm not talking. I won't say anything. And so they get nothing out of him, but they go and talk to his parents. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And his parents are very cooperative. And they're like, he has been hanging out with these people that we do not approve of. We are worried that he has gotten involved in the wrong crowd.
0: Oh, God. And so
2: they give the police two names. They give them the name of Lewis Morgan, who was 20 years old, and Spencer Nelson, who was 21. And they're like... It's possible that he has gotten involved in something with these two guys. And oh so they God. bring in Lewis Morgan and Spencer Nelson to talk to them. And Lewis Morgan confessed to everything.
1: What?
0: hmm
2: He said. it was like a cashew that had been left out in the rain. He was. Huh? He was an easy nut to crack. Kristen, yeah. that's correct. He said that it was exactly like what that witness had described that he and Spencer Nelson had come up to Melanie's truck while it had been stopped at an intersection. Did they know her four, at all? No, they, no, oh my it was completely god. Random. They and he says that they intended to rob her. Wow. And then when they got out to the canyon, that Spencer Nelson is the one who took it too far. And he raped Melanie. And then he told – at some point they also picked up Norman along the way. Mm -hmm. So they've got the three men and Melanie in this truck. They get out to this area of the canyon where they were just supposed to rob Melanie, according to Lewis.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't have to go out that far if you're just trying to rob someone.
2: Exactly. So they get out there, and then Spencer Nelson – Rapes Melanie, and then he tells the other two guys, Norman and Lewis, that like now that this has happened, they don't have a choice, they have to kill her. So, Spencer Nelson had a previous conviction
0: mm-hmm. for
2: rape. Oh, of and course. the victim had identified him in that case. Mm-hmm. And so, that's the police's belief that that is why he said that. Yeah. And then Lewis Morgan said that Spencer Nelson picked up a big rock. And beat Melanie's head with it until she was dead. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So they get all of this information. In the meantime, they have gotten this other informant call. This is just an anonymous person, not Mm -hmm. not not a police informant, just an anonymous person has called the police department. And she says that she has knowledge about Melanie Uribe's murder. And so the detective that has been assigned to this case, his name was Patrick Conmey, Detective Patrick Conmey. So he takes this call and he, she's like this woman on the phone is like, I have information about Melanie Uribe's murder. I have the murder weapon. What? Yeah. And at this point, they've released no information about how huh. Melanie was murdered or anything like that. And so he's like, OK, can you tell me what the murder weapon is and he's like, if you can tell me what it is, I'll know if I can take this seriously or not.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: she said, it's a big rock.
1: Oh, my God.
2: And then she hung up the phone. Oh. And so he has no idea who this person is. But he suspects they really do have the murder weapon because that matches with right. what the medical examiner has said likely caused Melanie's death.
0: Right. Bludgeoning
2: with a large rock. So that's all going on. And then they talk to Lewis Morgan. Lewis Morgan gives them this information. And so he says, we took the murder weapon with us. We took the large rock with us, but we dumped it in a neighborhood. And so Detective Conme is like, "Okay, take me where you dumped it. Yeah. And so Lewis Morgan takes him to his girlfriend's neighborhood and says, we dumped it in the gutter. And so he takes him, he takes the detective where he says they dumped it, and it's gone. So the three men are taken into custody, but now this detective has to put this case together. But because Lewis took him to his girlfriend's neighborhood, he then assumes that it was Lewis's girlfriend who called him with the tip. So he just goes to Lewis's girlfriend's house. Of course. And knocks on the door and is like, did you call me about a murder weapon? And she says that yes, she did. And he says, Do you have it? And she said, Yes, but it's hidden. And you have to let me go get it by myself. You can't come with me. What? Yeah. And so Detective Conme is like, I mean, is she just trying to get away? Like, what's the no, what? what's the game here? But he said he decided to trust her and let her leave and go get this. Supposed murder weapon. And she came back and she had a big bloody rock in a pillowcase. It was the murder weapon.
1: Where the hell had she gone?
2: I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know where they where she had the the rock hidden. I don't know. That's so weird. To yes. Me. With the murder weapon. The confession from Lewis – I mean Spencer Nelson never admitted to anything and Norman Willis never admitted to anything either. But all three of them were arrested and charged with murder, accessory to murder, rape, and kidnapping for robbery. There's zero coverage of their trial. The closest thing to coverage I found was that Norman Willis, even though he was 17 when the crime was committed, was tried as an adult – They were all tried together and they were all convicted and sentenced to life in prison. So while, while this, all of these discoveries are being made, Etta Smith is still being held. Yeah. It's not until they get these three men into custody that they release her. Oh. And they determine that she had nothing to do with any of
1: this at all. She was just a good Samaritan coming forward with a Truly vision. a
2: vision. She didn't have any connection to any of these men. Aww. She didn't live in the area. She did. She had not overheard anything. She really had had
1: a psychic vision. Oh, this poor woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long was she held? Four days. Was
2: it four? Okay. Like, for like less, a little less than four days. Okay, Three yeah. and some change. Too long. So, and it was pretty upset that she had been arrested when yes. she was just attempting to. Well, not even arrested. She was held. I mean, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. And so, like a year after all of this happened, mm-hmm. she, she looked she herself su- in yeah. the mirror. She sued mm-hmm. the police department for wrongful arrest. Mm-hmm. She sued them for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. She said that her reputation had been dragged through the mud, through all of this. People thought that she had knowledge. She was involved in some way. Mm -hmm. And she didn't. She just wanted to clear her name. Yeah. And so she sued them for $750,000. And in March of 1987, the case went to trial. Her attorney said at trial, this case is about a woman who cared a little too much and paid the price.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Etta took the stand over the course of this seven-day trial. She talked about how this vision had come to her. She talked about her experience of just being at work one day and hearing it on the radio and all of that. She said, mentally, somewhere, something registered. And I said, she's not in a house. She said she was very confused by all of it. She said she couldn't understand what was happening, but that she just felt Hold to do something with that information so her case is that uh-huh. you know she just was like a person who had this vision and she wanted to do the right thing with it and they handled it horribly yeah and then for the police department their defense or whatever they said that they believed that edda was trying to make money off of this whole thing She wanted to sell her story and make make a movie out of it and all of this. That's not illegal. It's sure not. So who gives a shit? Exactly. Exactly. So this is interesting to me because obviously this is a civil case. Mm -hmm. So in this case, the judge was the one to determine whether the police had wrongfully held Etta. Mm -hmm. That was not up to the jury. That was up to the judge. And he determined that, yes, they had, a, they had held her without probable cause. Okay. So then it was just the jury's job to figure out how much damages mm-hmm. she should be awarded. And so they discussed that. And ultimately, so she had sued for $750,000. And ultimately, they awarded her $26,184. Well, ouch. Yes. They awarded her $1,184 for lost wages and attorney's fees and $25,000 for pain and suffering. So they came to that amount of $25,000 because that's the amount she made a year. That was her yearly salary. Okay. And so they're like she should get a year's salary for her pain and suffering.
1: All right. That's fine. Yeah, I
2: yeah. I'm fine with it.
1: I'm more concerned with like the police holding her like that. Yeah. That's yeah. really fucked up. Yep. Okay, at the
2: end of the segment on Unsolved Mysteries, it says that Edda has continued to use her psychic gifts to help solve other cases. Citation needed Unsolved okay. Mysteries because I could not find that anywhere else. In fact, I found multiple other articles that said Edda has never experienced another psychic vision. This was like a one-time thing. Well, she does, she's not talking well, about sure, it. Well, sure, I'm not telling fucking anybody about it ever again. Mm-hmm. And that's the story of a psychic vision. Wow. Yeah. There are a lot of people that had the exact same thought you did that were like, she clearly just overheard something and, you know, wanted to get the information well, to them. that's the and... most
1: logical yeah. explanation. Yeah. How long are they allowed to hold you like that?
2: I mean, now I think it's like 24 hours. Yeah, That's crazy. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Twenty-four hours without charges. Yeah. Almost four days they held her. Ugh. And then they brought her son in and like interrogated him as well because he was involved. Like when they went and found Wait, the actual wasn't he body, like 10? he was ten.
1: Okay. No. Yeah. Hmm. The dangers of being helpful.
2: Do you believe in psychics?
1: I mean, I bet some people have a gift. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm still allowed to be a dick to them. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, you didn't like it when I was No, being a I don't dick. like it, but you're allowed to do it. Am I? Am of I? course you are. I envision a road trip where I stop many times to pee. <laughs> That's every road trip you ever go on. I see a Taco Bell and I say, my goodness... That's the worst road food. How do you eat that on the road? You stop in the parking lot. Oh, I don't. And you you avert your eyes from anyone else who's doing the same thing that you are. (laughs) And you just park (laughs) and you eat your tacos and then you go on your way. Uh Uh-huh. Sure.
2: (laughs) On the Unsolved Mysteries page about this case, there's like a comment section at the bottom. And there's this woman who was commenting, claiming to be... uh, Melanie's sister, Mm -hmm. and she said that her son has just had a terrible time dealing with his mother's murder. He's in his 40s now, and losing his mother at such a young age just had this horrible impact on his life, obviously. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: What else was said in the comments? There's
2: other comments. Uh, There's a woman who claims that she worked with Melanie as a nurse at a different hospital, in that Melanie was afraid of the night shift. She was really surprised that Melanie was working the night shift at the time of her disappearance.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah. Why are you making that face? I don't know. I I just think it's interesting, I guess. I didn't mean it. It wasn't like a skeptical face, it looked (laughs) very skeptical. Yeah, I think working the night shift would suck. Oh, absolutely. I think it'd be terrible. But my theory on that is maybe it allowed her to have more time with her son. Sure.
1: Yeah. All right. <laughs> Very good. <clears throat> you know, at some point in the future, there'll be an ad here. Doo. <laughs> Doo. We're back from the ad. And now what are we about to do, Burundi? We're going to take some
2: questions from the Discord. But how do you get in the Discord? To get in the Discord, all you have to do is join our Patreon at the $5 level or higher. And then when we record, we you know we ask for questions, and then we pick a few to answer. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Meat Free But Still Hardy asks, what is one of your irrational fears? Mine is sometimes when I'm pooping, I worry that it's a dream and I'm pooping my pants somewhere. Hmm. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. When I was a kid, I had irrational fears about the toilet.
1: What about the toilet? That
2: a monster was going to come up and suck me into the toilet because I saw this creepy episode of The X-Files when I was way too young Mm -hmm. about a porta potty monster.
1: That's fair. Yeah. I'll tell you a true scary story from last night. Okay. Last night, you know. I don't know if I mentioned the Janet Jackson You were Jackson hanging out with concert. Janet Jackson? Yeah. And I was hey, in... Luda! I was in my full Spanx, you know. Oh, like yeah. The type that have yeah. straps at the top. Yeah. What'd you wear? What'd you wear to the concert? Just a cute little body-hugging dress. Oh, shit. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm. All right. But here's the thing. I thought I was looking all cute and stuff. You get to the Janet show, there are people in head-to-toe sequence. Oh, yeah. I looked like the basicest bitch there was. <laughs> Anyhow you know my that's yeah, my that's shapewear the, yeah. it has one of those zipper crotches for when you have to pee uh-huh why why are you making this face at me just zip a labia up in that that's my fear Yeah. my fear is always that scene from um there's something about Mary yeah would you get the bean above the frame exactly yeah. that's i imagine giving myself a full labiaplasty Absolutely. just by, you know <laughs> Uh, maybe that's the cheapest way to do it. I have a few <laughs> drinks at the Bristol and then. Um, Is that where you went? Yeah. That's where the Luda story happened. I know. <laughs> it's a good place to go when you're going to the T-Mobile Center because you just boop, 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 yeah. walk on down. <laughs> Anyhow. So I have now peed twice in that thing. Yeah. And let me tell you, when you're just doing the zipper crotch. Yeah. You're. It feels like you are pissing your pants. Sure, because your thighs are covered, your butt's covered, everything's covered. Yeah.
2: I. Okay. It is interesting you say that. If I am. If I. Oh man, I haven't even thought about this until now. When I like get up in the middle of the night to pee, and I'm like, you know, kind of groggy and out of it. Yeah. I. There are times where I'm like. I start peeing and then I'm like, "Oh my god, did I pull my underwear down?" <laughs> like, there's like a moment where I think I'm peeing my pants. Uh huh. Yeah. I've never. I've yet to forget to pull my underwear down, but I feel like. But I'm it, just, could happen. it could You're happen. You're waiting any moment. for the day. That's right.
1: Absolutely. Anyway, did you get that zipped up all right? No. Yeah, but I was really worried. I bet. Because I mean, can you imagine? No, hearing a woman scream from the Bristol bathroom. <laughs>
2: Oh, Suburban Gazing Ball asks, have you tried Olipop? O-L-I-P-O-P, I I don't really know how it's pronounced No I want to try it so bad, I keep seeing it all over the place Suburban Gazing Ball says it's literally the best drink ever No
1: way, that's like that probiotic soda stuff, right? Yeah, it's like It's a million dollars Is it a million dollars? I don't know, I do want to try it I want to try it Olipop, is it expensive? I don't know that's just a thing I say about anything I don't understand.
2: No, I mean it's more than just like regular soda. But here's a four pack of four pack at Target for ten bucks.
1: Four pack yeah, for that's pretty ten pricey. bucks,
2: <laughs> ma'am.
1: Are you kidding me? That's pretty pricey. That is very pricey. <sighs> what?
2: Well, Lil Pink Kristen has a good question, but my answer is mean. Oh, <laughs> well, go ahead. Lil Pink Kristen asks, what piece of life advice would you give your younger self?
1: You have mean life advice for yourself? Well, it's
2: not mean to me. It's mean to someone else. Oh, well, let's hear it. Don't settle. You can do better.
1: Bow wow, wow, wow. Wow. <laughs> 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 Wow, I can't believe you just it's said that. It's rude. It is a rude thing to say, but... No, it's not.
2: I wish I would have thought that. Yeah. It would have saved me so much. Yeah. So that is my life advice to all of you youngins out there. Don't fucking settle. Know your worth.
1: But if you're old, you should settle. Well, no, I just meant... Because death is no, near. No, stop. No, no, no. That is my <laughs> life
2: advice to everyone. Know your fucking worth.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Hmm, what would my life advice be? Oh, definitely to not be afraid to get help. But I I would have heard that and been like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then just kept on trucking. Yeah. But like, I think about how much better my life has gotten since therapy, Mm -hmm. um, since figuring out that it's not my weird, quirky personality. It's ADHD. Yeah. And I just, I remember all these times when I was younger thinking gosh, this, this thing is hard for me and I don't understand and, like, just blaming myself. Yeah. Like, it never occurred to me that maybe there was something out there that could help me. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Another piece of advice. Don't settle for a friendship where someone pretends they don't notice how great your boobs are (laughs) and I realize that is rude but it's
2: great advice I think I just don't I guess I just don't look at boobs that much how could you not look at boobs I don't know what do you look at eyes teeth hair
1: oh okay hair yep
2: yeah eyes teeth and hair in that order probably
1: sure Be weird if you zeroed in on teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. Okay, here's a good question. Kind of going off of the previous question. Yeah. Silly Hooker wants to know, looking back, what is a bad piece of advice you followed and had regrets? Ooh. Hmm. I think I always had it.
2: Kind of in my head not to quit things. Mm-hmm. And there are things in my life I should have quit way earlier. Oh, yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, I think that's such stupid advice. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, when there's something like, that's like, to be, yeah, like not being a quitter is some accomplishment or something. Like there are many things that I did way longer than I should have. And
1: absolutely. Yeah.
2: I wish I would have thought, no, it'd be okay to quit things that are maybe giving me anxiety, that are not adding anything to my life, mm-hmm. that are, yes.
1: Yeah, you don't want to quit out of fear, but like no. if you've been in something mm-hmm. for long enough that mm-hmm. you know this yeah. doesn't feel right, this yeah. isn't for me. Yeah, you're not You're not gonna win anything. Right, absolutely. By sticking it out. Yeah. Hmm. Gosh, I think for me it would probably be like believing too much in the power of positive thinking. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep.
2: Yeah, I can I really just, I can just that. motivational quote my way right out of this thing. Yes. Yeah. Worked real hard at that. Oh yeah.
1: Doesn't work. Right. <laughs>
2: Oh, when I was a district manager, asked Brandy, you said your mom and stepdad met while working at a call center. When did your mom become a dental hygienist? My mom went to dental hygiene school when I was in elementary school. So after she married Steve, she quit her job. i don't she worked as like in in some kind of office. I don't know exactly what she did, but she ended up leaving that job and going back to school full time and did her hygiene program when I was I think, like in the third and fourth grade. Mhm, yeah. Maybe fourth and fifth.
1: I don't know exactly, but somewhere around there. I remember when we became friends, Mm -hmm. your mom was a dental hygienist. So, yeah.
2: So she probably did, yeah, third and when I was in the third and fourth grade.
1: There you go, folks. Now you know. That's right.
2: (laughs) Oh, this is a good time to answer this question. Sheen Bops asks, "Will there be a summer break? If so, what are your plans?" Yes, just a mm-hmm. reminder that our summer break is coming up. We take the month of June off. What do you
1: have planned for our summer break? Nothing. I mean, that's really what I want to do too. <laughs> yeah. So I, I know I want to work really hard on my book. Yeah. And that's about it. I yeah. have no plans. Yeah. Um, I am going
2: to. Do hopefully not much. I have a couple of Lego sets I want to build because <laughs> I'm very cool. And then, yeah, I'll do London's birthday, and my mm-hmm. birthday will happen then. And David and I have like a little fun weekend trip planned. Oh. Got a couple concerts be too. What? It's going to be beautiful. Well, that's where I live. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going on vacation where I live. Patty, please bleep that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, we're going uh, to. Well, we're not. Yeah, yeah we're no, not. Okay. Don't say it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Me too. Yeah.
1: Remember when people get mad? People get we, mad because we're looking forward to breaks. Yeah. yeah people are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. Yeah. If you're not looking forward to time off work, you're a fucking exactly. loser. Do you not look forward to vacations? Yeah. It's a it's a work
2: vacation. That's what it is. Eat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, okay, we've already answered a question from this person, but I have to answer this. Okay, Suburban Gazing Ball asks, what's the coolest bird you've ever seen? I saw a goddamn bald eagle a few weeks ago, and I'm slightly obsessed with big birds. Okay, not big bird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh huh. I have seen a bald eagle. I saw a fucking bald eagle fly across, like, while I was driving on the road. I told my fucking family immediately, and they're like, there's not a chance you saw a bald eagle. And then there was, like, a news story about how a bald eagle had been living in that area. And I was like, fuck you all!
1: Anyway, I saw a bald eagle. Was it a real news story, or did you, like— Write something up and real, Photoshop no, it, it onto, like, story. a CNN
2: site. No, it was a real news story. But, like, in the local paper. It mm-hmm. wasn't on CNN. Mm-hmm. CNN doesn't care that there was a bald eagle spotted in suburban Kansas.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll tell you a fun story about the bird that I once
0: yeah, saw. Yeah, tell me.
1: One time, Norman and I were hiking through the Puerto Rican rainforest. Uh-huh was very exciting. You were? Is this a real story? Yeah, this is a real story. I didn't even know you
2: and Norm have been to Puerto Rico.
1: It's true. We have. Okay. There's lots you don't know about me, baby. I mean, I guess. So we're in the rainforest. Norm brought his, like, fancy camera. Yeah. To capture all the fancy things. Did you see a toucan? So I saw the most beautiful fucking bird, like, way yeah. high up in the trees. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know... Ranger Kristen, mm-hmm. stop. Yeah, I turn. Did you do like wordless? Yeah. Yes, and freaking Norm has the loudest little camera bag. He <laughs> <you know, laughs> unzips, and I'm like, oh my god! And he gets the camera out, but yeah. oh, it's not the right lens. And oh, so like, for fuck's sake, taking <laughs> forever, <laughs> and I keep like glancing up, mm-hmm. and somehow the bird is yeah. still there, and I'm like. Mm -hmm. Hurry, hurry, hurry. So finally he gets that camera up with the right lens and it was a leaf. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 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 And that's how it had stayed still that whole time. Yeah. And it wasn't scared off by
2: Norm's loud camera bag. Right. Yeah. He took a picture of that leaf just to be a dick. That's a solid move, Norm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Should we read some Supreme Court
2: inductions? Yeah! To get inducted on this podcast, all you have to do is join our Patreon at the $7 level or higher. We are continuing to read your names
1: and your first celebrity crushes! Ooh-oh. Cassie Roundy. Daniel Clark. Deepam, Robert Pattinson. Christy. Corey Haim. F. you. Left eye, bitch face nine zero seven. <laughs> Christian Slater, Megara, Hayden Christensen, Molly, aka the Finder, Leonardo DiCaprio, Laura
2: Lawrence, Ashley Parker Angel, Laura Lawrence. I love your name. Holy, that just rolls right off the tongue. Sorry, did I get too excited. You look embarrassed <laughs> for me. <laughs>
1: Please leave Laura alone. Katie Nivette. Kean from Westlife. Jillian. Luke Perry. Bethany Ireland. Lightning McQueen. <laughs> no shame. <laughs> Oscar Vest. Rain Whispers. I'm not familiar. Uh, not familiar either. Taylor Gordner. Joey McIntyre. Sierra Peck. Brendan Fraser. Becky Visser. Andrew Keegan. Tanya W. Andy Gibb. She
2: says, yeah, but I'm old. I have no idea who he. He's one name. of the Bee Gees. Excuse me. Or he's the brother of the Bee Gees. No, he, anyway, it doesn't
1: matter. <laughs> <laughs> I think it matters to Tanya. <laughs> it
2: does. Connor. Connor. Carrie Elwes. <laughs> <laughs> How do you say that? Uh, uh, nobody knows. Okay, very good. <laughs> Erica A.
1: Devin Sawa. Rachel Broussard. Johnny Depp. Nadia. Jeremy Sumpter from Peter Pan. Welcome
2: Welcome to to the Supreme Court. Thank you, everyone, for all of your support. If you're looking for other ways to support us, please find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram. What? Twitter. Did I already say that? No. (laughs) Patreon. I forgot what I say there usually. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. Then be sure to join us next week
1: when we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned! And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. I got my info from reporting by Paul rubin for the phoenix new times and an episode of american justice
2: i got my info from an episode of psychic investigations an episode of unsolved mysteries an article for medium by nick young an episode of larry king live upi the los angeles
1: times the daily news and the napa valley register for a full list of our sources visit lgtcpodcast.com
2: any errors are of course ours but please don't take our word for it go read their stuff